All right. Welcome to episode 10 of The Woke Antidote. And we have TB here for a special edition of the podcast. We're, we're dubbing this an emergency woke cast, TB. Yes, we are. Uh, this week was just pure lunacy that, you know, we were already planning on doing two episodes, but this is going to be a very different type of episode. You know, usually we have all the segments, you know, and love the wokes in the wild, epic gaslighting, woke whiplash, libs gone too far. We have our sports corner and all that. But there's just a lot coming out right now, and we just kind of need to take a step and plant our, our foot down and you know speak out against it. So it's going to be a little bit more serious in nature, but this is a lot of you know things that need to be said. Uh, quite frankly, uh, we are going to you know we, we're we're right now we're in a war against wokeism, and uh, there's no other way to describe it. And not you know I don't want to sound dramatic or use violent words like war, but we really are at this inflection point where if we allow wokeism to go unchecked, it will truly change the fabric of this country. So we need more people to speak up and say, no, you know, you know, that we're all for being accepting of different opinions, but there is a, a line somewhere and that line is being crossed as we're about to cover on today's episode. So, uh, you know, we're both really fired up for this one um, and hopefully uh, you all enjoy this one. Yeah, it's almost as if the world needs an antidote to, to all this wokeness here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I think you guys can guess that our top story is going to be what, what we're seeing out of Disney with this quote unquote, don't say gay bill. And then some of the videos that have come out of Disney and their employees with just some incredible off the charts wokeness that if you even told someone six to nine months ago that this kind of stuff was happening, they would not believe you. So, TB, I know you were fired up. You have got a lot ready to go. Why don't we give you the floor and, and let's hear your take on just the insane wokeness that was this past week in Disney. Yep. If you've been a regular listener of the show, you know there's quite a, quite a bit that will set me off. Um, but in particular, when it comes to the indoctrination of children, that pisses me off the most. That is really what strikes a nerve with me. Um, so what we're seeing with Disney is just one manifestation of a broader trend that we're seeing across our country. We've been seeing this, you know, in the parental rights bill that uh, the Democrat Party has dubbed incorrectly, the don't say gay bill. Um, you know, and we're seeing all these teachers speaking out that they can't speak about their, uh, you know, homosexual lifestyles with their children. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing celebrities making threatening videos to Ron DeSantis, like Ron Perlman from Sons of Anarchy, if you remember that show, as he did. So, we're, you know, what we're seeing with Disney is just a manifestation of all these other things going on right now. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm all about freedom of choice, freedom, you know, freedom of expression. If you are someone who's homosexual, God bless you. Do whatever makes you happy. It doesn't Im impact my life. You should be able to seek whatever makes you happy in, 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 on this planet. That I have no problem with that at all. I'm accepting of all people, regardless of their sexual orientation. But what I have an issue with now is then when you are when children are involved, when you are trying to uh, indoctrinate them and change the way that they think. That's where I have a major issue with it. So what I think is happening right now with all the backlash with the parental rights bill with Disney. Now saying that, you know, they 
we'll no longer refer to characters or, or guests rather as, you know, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, the famous saying that they had. Uh, when we see these secret videos getting leaked about Disney employees saying that they actually have a mission to have a, you know, a strong rep- representation of homosexual and transgender characters in their, in their movies that are designed for children. All that being said, what I think is happening right now is that, you know, here's my theory, is that they, are, they understand, the left understands that children at such a young age are incredibly impressionable and ma- malleable. So if they can capture their mind share at that very vulnerable age, they can then raise an army of future Democrat voters. And that is a very scary and malicious uh, reality. And I truly believe that's what's going on because you have to stop and ask yourself, why do they care so much about exposing children to this? To be honest with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable if they were exposing children at those young ages to heterosexual sex that's it's way too early of an age their brains have not formed enough to process what's going on you could really mess with kids development and maturity by exposing them to such graphic types types of things so it's, it doesn't my stance on this has nothing to do with homosexual um people transgender people it's about sexuality in general and it, it's just really disgusting that people really want to be Given showing that to children at such a vulnerable age, that really doesn't sit well with me. It, it, quite frankly, it disgusts me. So this this really has me fired up. And, and and like I said, I think the what we're seeing why there's so much backlash from the left on this is because they understand that this is their power grab. This is their mission. If they can capture their mind share, they're going to be set up so well in the future because you know they're they're going to be able to have, you know shape these minds and have people think one way. And, you know, and they won't be able to think for themselves. And it's all about authority. It's all about power. Um, And, you know, we need people to speak up. We need parents to speak up, regardless of your political affiliation. They should be in charge of having those conversations. I know for sure, you know, I'll be getting married soon. I know when I have children, if my kid comes home and starts asking me about these things or saying that their teachers teaching them this stuff, I'm going to pull them the hell out. I'm sorry. Even if I don't have the money to afford it or if money is going to be tight, I will look into private school because there are certain topics in this world and in life that are best handled by a parent where you can sit down with them and have that conversation. I don't want some person with an agenda responsible for, for teaching my kids that they're not their parents. I am. And no one should, that this should not sit right with anyone. So yeah, we're going to talk a lot about more of this, but that this is my, my take on this. This is my theory. And I think a lot more people really need to start paying attention because before we know it, they're going to have free reign and take over our children, take over the fabric of our country. And it's, it's quite disgusting. Yeah. And you have to wonder what is the objective from the left here? Because the, the objective from the right is really what you touched on in that last point is it's protecting parents. And I think DeSantis has said this explicitly where if you now go and send your kids into a school after this bill is passed, which, as we all know as well, was supported by the majority of Floridians, including by Florida Democrats, if the bill is passed, your child is not going to be taught about sex from kindergarten to third grade. So that is the objective coming from the right makes complete sense, because I think what happened during the pandemic is parents saw what was going on in these kids' classrooms because the kids were working from home. 
And a lot of parents freaked out because all of a sudden they saw things and the kids were learning things that they did not want the kids to know. And so when you have a strong conservative like DeSantis is, he's proactively taking a step to say, I am protecting parents. Let's pass this bill. And so what's the flip side then? Is there an objective from the left? Well, you when you talk to the left about hating this bill, they say, why are the conservatives up in arms? Like, we're not even teaching that stuff that young. Okay, if you aren't teaching that stuff, what's your problem with the bill? And of course, they have to make up these falsities about the bill to actually be against it. So that's what that's what kind of strikes me as odd is there's probably a deeper objective here. And you touched on one theory. I mean, ultimately, are they really trying to sexualize these kids? And unfortunately, if you listen to some people from Disney, the answer is probably yes. And so, you know, you touched on it. There was a ton of recordings from Disney. There was some woman who was talking about a secret queer agenda in Disney films. I mean, what, what are we even talking about here? Um, the, the no more ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I mean, TB, I, you, everybody's been to Disney as a kid. We have memories. We have well, before they started parades or before you were riding on a, a roller coaster, they would say that to get everyone excited about the ride. And so apparently we can't do that anymore. And then another one that, that Disney had was that someone was saying 50% of the characters should be queer. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't think that's realistic in terms of what the, the country is. But yet we're seeing some very questionable stats come out where there was I think we mentioned this last pod. There was some school where the, the teacher said 20 of 32 of their students identified as queer. There's another uh, poll out by Axios that ha has. Americans who self-identified as LGBTQ in 2021 by generation. And this has baby boomers at 2.6%, Gen X at 4.2%, millennials at 10.5%, and then Gen Z at 20.8%. So we're basically doubling every generation. So I guess that would put the next generation at 40%, which is close to that 50% that that Disney uh, employee wanted. And look, kids are extremely impressionable and malleable at a young age. And like going through puberty and going through middle school and high school, that is not a straight line of progress. There's fits and starts. At times you feel great. At times you feel left out and questioning and you have to grow and you have to try things and feel uncomfortable. And then you you emerge from that and you become a stronger person. And I, I feel that the, the gay agenda kind of like it gives these kids an out. If they feel weird and they feel left out and they're not, you know, accepted by everybody, automatically they're just going to turn to, oh, you're queer, you're gay, you're lesbian. And then that's what kind of quote, like that's what solves the problem. So you know, when you get when you give a kid that's young the the opportunity, at least in their mind, to solve a problem, they're probably going to take it. So, you know, clearly, are are is our are are people 
20 to 40 percent um lgbtq plus i hate even using the acronym but i'll just use it because that was in the poll i don't think so i think a lot of this is what our current society is today and yeah it's it's really saddening because what, whatever the agenda is that they have uh i don't think it's a positive impact on society and i think a lot of people um feel like you feel tb and like like i will one one whiff of this stuff that our kids are learning and boom, they're out. That, yeah, that, that's really well put, SB. And we need to make this abundantly clear because, unfortunately, people are going to try to twist our words and say, you know, what we're saying right now is hateful. and We hate gay people and we don't. We hate gay children. That's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Our point here is that, yes, we recognize that there actually are some children who are gay and they can recognize that at a young age. And if they're going, and I, we understand they go through hard times. That's not lost on us. But is the statistics that we're seeing, is that actually based in reality? Now let's look back at the stats and, the, and, 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 our, and these stories. Going back to Disney, for example, they had a, a, one of the presidents of Disney was on that call that got leaked. And she said that she had a pansexual and a transgender child. So either that her, the, the family genes there just coincidentally left to two children with those uh, sexual identities, or maybe that's a little bit of parental engineering, if, if, if you will. And then speaking of engineering, we look at that Axios report that SP just shared with us. Are we really to look at those stats and say the within the past 10 years, the human race has changed evolutionary to, in, in such a biological way that it has 2x the amount of uh, you know, homosexual uh, members, I, I, I highly doubt that. I don't think there is any, you know, evolution occurs over many thousands of years, not 10 years. So you have to pause and say, you know, is this more of a byproduct of social engineering? And I, I think it's that part of engineering that I think that's the, 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 the hand that's kind of moving this right now. I think this is what's at play. So it's, you know, you really have to, to feel for these kids because as we're saying, at, at such a young age, they don't even know who they are. I remember when I was a kid, uh, when I was, you know, four years old, I thought I was a panda. You know, I thought I could transform into a panda. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. I remember there was one time pandas were my favorite animal. And I thought if I wished hard enough, I could become a panda. And then I, I know that when I was in grammar school, in the early stages of high school, I was a quiet kid. And there was times, you know, I would think, oh, is there something wrong with me? You know, th those are t moments in your life, you know, when you're at a young age where you're kind of figuring yourself out. And it takes some time. I think like, you don't really figure out who you are until college and actually for a lot of people, maybe even after college. So to say that kids with a hundred percent confidence can determine their gender identity, uh, you know, before the age of 10, that's, that's very bad parenting. Yeah, that's really just trying to engineer children in a way that's going to make you feel good about yourself because maybe you have some insecurities about yourself. So you want to then, pass it along to children in a way that's going to validate your decisions in life. And I think that's very selfish. I think it's quite disgusting. Um, and there's just, there's no place for that. Children are the most vulnerable people of our community. We should be uh, nourishing them, giving them a, a space to grow. And this has just gone much too far and, you know, much more, you know, more Americans and more people throughout the world need to wake up and say no to this. There's no place for this in, in, in a healthy society. 
Yeah, and there can be significant long-term physical and mental impacts from this kind of social engineering. So if we take the trans transgender uh, movement in the country, we don't have the stats on that right now, but that has been a massive increase as well over the recent years. The increase has been much faster in terms of percentage growth than homosexuals, the LGBTQ plus stats that we cited. And that is extremely damaging because if you are take if you are giving a child um, blockers or you're giving them extra hormone home, hormones, you are damaging them permanently um, from a very young age. So that and there's horror stories and you can find these all over the internet of people that are that are seriously inj injured from this and they're they're never going to be the same. There's also stats out there about the rate of suicide of transgenders, and it's around 50%, or at least there are some that are around 50%, which is just, I, I, we need to take a step back and say, if, if that kind of stat is out there, then can we need to like really determine and look at the data and say, clearly there's something wrong here. So are, are we encouraging too much of this? And it's the wrong encouragement. And the answer almost certainly is yes. So it's not like some cute little thing where, and I think you said it greatly, TB, where it's the parents feeling good about themselves. So they can feel good, like she can kind of brag almost. It's it's social justice credibility when you're on the, the Disney hotline and you're talking in front of the employees and you're able to say, yeah, I have a pansexual child. I wonder how old that child is. How does that child even know what pansexuality means? I don't even know what that means. So <laughs> yep. who is even putting that thought in their heads? It's it's unbelievable. Yep. But I, I do want to touch on and, you know, TV, this goes, we had the debate about Trump versus DeSantis. And I think we, we both made great points on each side. But Governor Ron is coming out really strong in this. And I loved his response to Disney, basically, where Disney came out and it was after the internal backlash to the CEO wanting to take a pretty neutral stance. Uh, then the, the CEO is basically forced to be promoting the bill and, and saying they or be, promoting the to, to be against the bill. And DeSantis basically came out and said, Disney's not going to boss us around. And I just loved that because he knows that's not true. Disney has all that park infrastructure in Florida. It's not like you can pick that up and put it somewhere else. No, Disney World is Disney World. And they make tons of money from the park, from the resorts. Another area he cited, Disney Cruise Line. They visit countries where gay marriage is illegal. And <laughs> potentially they, they visit countries where homosexuality is illegal. There's still countries out there where you're not allowed to be gay legally. So is... Disney going to cut ties with with all that? No, they're not because they're all about the money. And that's what this comes down to as well, where you see all the celebrities hopping on the bandwagon. We had the Oscars, which we'll, we'll get to after this with the punch, but you had them screaming gay as part of their apparent comedy routine. So everybody in Hollywood took the stance of being against the bill. Well, it's politically it's safe for Disney. It's very safe to take this view and no one's in Hollywood's going to care that they can put films out in China, which which doesn't support this and which has their own problems. They can go visit countries with the cruise line. And 
what what maybe we need to do as as conservatives is maybe we we put we put some financial pressure on Disney and some of these other woke companies by boycotting their products. So make it so that if Disney does come out in support of something like this, it financially hits their pocketbook because right now it doesn't at all. And that's really I you know I, you hate to understand that, but that's true, and that's why. All of these NBA players are so woke in the U.S., but they don't talk about any issues with China or any of these other countries they play in. Or, I mean, WNBA players, they make a ton of money in Russia, I think, because they make way more money there than they do in the U.S. And they all hate America and talk out about it. But you know what? It's safe. It doesn't it doesn't matter to them. It, it actually improves their credit, their social justice credibility. They can cash that in for later. And, you know, there there needs to be an antidote to that. There needs to eventually <laughs> be a choice where, yeah, if, if LeBron and, you know, Bob Chapek and Disney, if you want to go woke, well, you're probably going to go broke, too, because we're not about this. Yeah. I mean, what Disney is doing is just pure cowardice. When you look at the protests that are happening right now at, at Disney, it's really just, you know, a couple dozen of, of employees. You, you look at the pictures of people protesting. It's not that many people. And they're trying to, and you know, statistically, they're catering to this crowd, you know, specifically with transgender people. It's probably 1% of the country, probably even actually less than 1%. So they are bent, they're bending to, to the knee to these people. Uh, the uh, people, these communities are people who are, um, you know, trying to, to, who are supporting them and all that. They are bending to a very small minority because that's just how afraid they are of being canceled by the woke mob. You know, social justice has become weaponized in our culture, sadly. And they're so afraid of it. They're so afraid of it. And they're passing all these things, you know, at Disney World now, like as we've been saying, they're going to be using gender neutral terms. Um, they even they didn't give a straight answer about if they're going to get rid of the terms prince and princess. So you have a lot of these things happening. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen from this. They're going to lose a lot of parents. A lot of parents are not going to like what they see, regardless of what political affiliation they are. I'm willing to bet probably 75% of parents disagree with this, that they don't want woke politics in their children's Disney movies, that they just want them to be innocent and fun where kids can imagine. They don't need to know about what sexuality they are. So they're going to lose so many parents. So they're going to, you know, we saw with ESPN, Disney forced ESPN to go woke, and now ESPN's ratings are in the toilet. The same is going to happen here. They're going to lose money. They're going to lose parents. And we've talked about this on other podcasts, or other episodes, rather. The parent has become a new voting identity, a new voting block. We saw in the Virginia governor race where parents crossed political aisles to vote for Glenn Youngkin. And I think the same is going to happen here. There's going to be a massive backlash to this because parents don't want this. They want their number one priority in life is to take care of their kids, raise them in a safe environment, you know, have them be live a happy life. And when something is is threatening that, they will give up anything else to protect their children. And Disney is making the wrong choice. They are they are bending the the knee to these people who are crying the loudest, but do not represent a majority of what America wants. So, you know, they, they have they, they have a big storm coming and they deserve every little bit of it. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's that one percent or even it's a tenth of a one percent are the bullies in this country. And they've been bullying the rest of us for so long. 
And we need to step up and say, no, no more. We gave you an inch. We gave you tons of miles and you still wanted more. And we're, we're putting a stop to it because we're not, we're not having it because it's unhealthy for our children and TV, Disney, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck and Daisy. So these aren't things anymore. Okay, can we not? Apparently, Mickey Minnie Mouse can't be a thing. I mean, this is like that's how absurd it is. Where Disney, Disney's identity for decades now, Mickey Minnie Mouse. It's those. It's the. It's it's the the princesses, as you mentioned. I mean, Little Mermaid. So what? The Little Mermaid isn't a woman anymore. I mean, it's preposterous. Everybody knows it's preposterous. Everybody at Disney also knows it's preposterous, but. They're for the social engineering. And yeah, uh, speaking of the, the, the secret queer agenda, TB, it's not even secret anymore because apparently there is a sexual or at least kissing gay scene in the Buzz Lightyear movie that's coming up. Yeah. So Buzz Lightyear, I mean, who doesn't love Toy Story? It's, it's incredible. I mean, that series is one of the best ever. I mean, it's probably the best kid series ever created everybody loves it these they've seen the movie so many times and we we grew up with toy story too i mean the the timeline of toy story and andy to to our age range was pretty similar so i uh i I may have gotten a little misty-eyed when that toy story 3 came out you and me both (laughs) (laughs) and yet they're just gonna they're, they're gonna throw all that goodwill down the drain when they have some gay scene in toy in buzz lightyear and who needs it I mean, that's that's the thing, like ultimately at, at the end of the day, it's it's who actually needs it. And I remember this from maybe it was like Finding Nemo. There was a, a lesbian couple pushing a stroller in the background and there there was an uh, outrage about it. And maybe some religious groups were annoyed and and Disney and, and people said, oh, what's the problem? You're all up in arms. Well, the problem is we went from a background character being a lesbian to an actual gay gay sexual scene in a kid in a in a presumably kids movie, so that's where we're headed. We got to draw the line somewhere, and like you said, kids don't need to know about this. They certainly don't need to know about it from kindergarten to third grade, and they certainly don't need to be, you know, in the personal detail of these teachers' private lives. I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen that clip of there is the gay teacher on MSNBC saying. Now I can't share with the kids uh, my that I'm you know going on ski trips or something with my partner. No, you can still share what you do in the weekend, but I think to to be a responsible citizen, these kids they don't really have any conception of sexuality. So you yeah. probably shouldn't be talking about your partner anyway, whether it's straight or gay, to kindergartners. I mean, they don't. That's not something they need to be focused on. They need to be focused on learning. Um, and that really seems almost secondary for a lot of these teachers now. And it's really sad to see. It's a reflection of the culture. I mean, the, the, the culture is just a, you know, a shit show right now. It's, it's, it's a hate to say it, but that's what it is. And it kind of follows the whole country. And, you know, I'm, I think we've talked about this and I talk to this a lot about people. I mean, the country's in decline. This is the America that our parents grew up in, the American exceptionalism, the the strong um, you know men who built the and, and women who built the country, 
I mean, that, that we don't have that anymore. And it, it's up to people like us to, to try to, to bring it back together. But there's a lot of people in power that are, have really strong sway on the media, whether it's news, whether it's content, whether it's politics and some of these ridiculous policies that favor people that are already rich and hurt the poor. And I think just all, all of that combines to what we're facing now. And I think, look, like if you're not realistic about it, it's not going to be good because it's going to hit you in the face. And, you know, I talk to some people and, and they'll be, you know, they kind of go, you know, the America kind of goes in waves and maybe we're in a down period now and we, and we could recover from it. Maybe it swings back and Republicans take uh 22 and then Trump wins or DeSantis wins in 24. It, no, I, I don't think it's that easy. I don't think that's the situation we're in. We're, we're a dying empire. If you look throughout history, empires last 200, 300 years. It's been 250 years since seven, 1776. We're in the ninth inning here. And you should be physically and mentally and monetarily prepared for that because things might get a lot worse from here. And hopefully they don't. And hopefully we can listen to this pod and maybe laugh about SB being way too negative about what was going to be going on over the next decade. But, you know, maybe we won't. And if we don't, you're going to be sorry that you didn't, you know, consider this and take this threat seriously of we got some, you know, tough times ahead of us. Yep. If you don't believe us, if you don't believe that these things lead to damaging results years from now, if you if you think this doesn't matter, just take a little glance at some of the cities that have allowed unchecked woke politics to, to have free reign. Look at San Francisco. Look at Los Angeles. Look at New York City. Look at Seattle. Look at Portland. Um, these are cities where they have allowed wokeism to, re- to reign free. And just look at what a shithole they've become. And there's no other word to describe it. They are disgusting. They are an embarrassment to our country. The fact that these even exist, where you just have that level of poverty, crime, drugs, just out and about, and no one cares. You can go into a Walmart, steal, and no one's going to stop you. That, that's what happens. That's why you should care. That's why this, this really pisses us off, because we don't want that to happen to our country. We love our country too much. And this does not come from any source of hate for any type of people. I can't make that any clearer. We have no problem with people who want to be homosexual. You know, we may not personally, uh, uh, you know, we, we may not agree with that. But if that's how you choose to live your life, God bless you. I'm not going to stop you. You should do whatever makes you happy. I have a problem when you get in, in the way of children, when you try to indoctrinate them. You know, I have a problem when you try to dictate what's right and wrong and then distort what actual is truth for your truth. That's where I have issues with that. So we need more people to speak up. That's why we do this podcast, because someone needs to say it. Hopefully, if you're listening, you resonate with what we're talking about and you realize you're not alone, that there's other people around this country that do care deeply about this and are willing to speak up because the more that speak up, the less of this that we'll see. We can fight back. Um, you know, you know, obviously use, you know, fight back with your words, uh, but fight back with your vote. But, you know, we, it, we need to, sh- to, to end the craziness that's going on. So, um, so yeah, SB, that got us pretty fired up to start this episode. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think we can put a bow on that one because I know I could, I don't know about you, I could talk about this for hours, but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot more, uh, content for us to get through in this episode, but, uh, 
no, moving on to our next one. Um, we, we, we talked about this for a second before we saw, uh, the Oscars over the weekend. And by saw, I mean, I wasn't watching it. I don't think many people were there. If you look over the past few years, the ratings continue to drop year after year. Um, and I wonder why that is, um, surely has nothing to do with it getting politicized. Uh, couldn't be that, but (laughs) regardless, uh, a very viral moment came out where, uh, Will Smith, you know, he, uh, Chris Rock was telling some jokes and he made a joke about uh, Will Smith's wife, Jada, um, and referred to her as G.I. Jane. And Will Smith uh, laughed at first and then proceeded to storm onto the stage, slap Chris Rock, and then scream at him. Uh, I remember when I saw it for the first time, I assumed it was a, uh, a joke. It was probably just a bit that they were doing. But then as I watched it replays more, I was like, oh, he actually made contact, contact with him. And then I saw the unedited versions from other countries like, oh, damn, he was actually pissed. So this actually turned out to be it was just kind of the the big news over the weekend. And uh, it kind of shows you that, uh, you know, different rules apply for our our elite class. Will Smith's able to, uh, you know, hit someone, assault someone on live TV and nothing's done about it. But uh, I'm willing to bet that, you know, us as an average citizen, if, you know, someone was making jokes about our wife or partner, if we were to retaliate violently, we probably face some consequences from that. But uh, SB, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this, so uh, the floor is yours. Well, I that's really what I, I loved is the hypocrisy where, you know, they're so selective about their outrage where, you know, I, the, the, the joke was, what if Mel Gibson was at the awards and went up and slapped Chris Rock? I mean, we this would be the top story for months. White guy goes up, assaults black man. There would be stories about white rage, white fragility. They can't take a joke. Um, he would definitely be charged with assault. He would be banned. And yet Will Smith does it and not a peep. And I did love how it was it was a black man being annoyed at another black man making jokes. But apparently it was Trump's fault. Howard Stern comes out and claims that Trump basically laid the foundation for people to go up and do that. When the irony of that is there's that famous video of there's a White House correspondence dinner in the early 2010s. There is jokes made at Trump's expense about him never becoming president. And he just sat there with a stern look on his face. He was not amused. And you know what Trump did? He played the long game instead of him going up and slapping Obama, you know, who maybe made the joke or some comedian. I mean, that would have been a story instead of doing that. You know, Trump actually runs and wins and becomes president. So that's what you do. And and if you're Will Smith and if you're a grown man, you need to be able to get a hold of your anger better. And what? TB, the reason I thought this was real pretty pretty early on is you can see Will Smith literally shaking with rage when they went back to him after they, he, he did the slap. And, you know, I, I think everybody's probably been in that situation before where you've been so angry, you're shaking. And that was him. So I, I felt like that was absolutely real. But you can't do that, especially when you're about to win an award. And then that leads me to 
just another hilarious moment of this whole thing where Will Smith then wins the award. He's best actor. This should be the best moment of his career. Now, I don't know. I didn't watch that movie, but that he was just playing a father. So I, I think this was was more of a lifetime achievement award than, um, you know, any particular film. You know, almost, almost like they kind of gave it to Leo when he did the, the, the Revenant, was it? Oh, yeah. That wasn't yeah, one was of his best like, movies. You know, he wasn't great in that, but he hadn't won one before and the fuel wasn't that strong. So they gave it to him. So I kind of feel like it was that for Will Smith, but whatever, regardless, still an amazing honor to be best actor. And he goes up there with such an incredible self-important speech leads off with attempting to say that Richard Williams, the guy he was playing, the father of Venus and Serena, he, he always protected his family. And so the idea was that he was protecting Jada um, you know, then he babbles on for a good five minutes plus makes no sense at all. And of course, you know, gets the standing ovation after the speech is over. Um, and TB, we, we did miss, uh, did you catch that there is a wardrobe malfunction during his speech? A, a wardrobe malfunction on him? No, on, uh, Venus Williams. Oh, no, I, like, I, I didn't watch it at all, but no, I had no idea. <laughs> well, so that. So there is there is a Janet Jackson esque wardrobe malfunction with her dress, um, you know, without the help of JT. There there is a little bit of a slippage <laughs> there, and that you know that wasn't even a story. You didn't even know about it until I just brought it up. No, no idea. So, so that's how much this overshadowed the whole thing. But the Will Smith self importance, and then you know, I I think we have to finally you know the 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 views that were so funny was that you had. You know, the, the stories from, you know, the New York Times or name your favorite liberal outlet. Jada Smith shouldn't have to deal with this. Dude, every, everybody deals with jokes. I mean, this is the whole point of a Hollywood award show is anybody can be the center of a joke at any any point. So are we now saying that at any joke you tell if it's bad enough, it's fair game to then stand up and slap somebody. I mean, that's pretty much what they're saying. So I talked about the, the rapid decline of America and American culture. This adds to it because now all of a sudden comedy has taken a total step down because comedians are going to be scared of what they can say on stage. And what's that going to do? It's going to mean we're an even more humorless society. And look, we're, we're already humorless because we have guys like Kimmel and Colbert and Trevor Noah on these late night shows, and they just cannot insult the left. And the left is what the fodder would be. I mean, sleepy Joe Biden, who gets angry one second and closes his eyes the next segment and forgets things. This guy is a walking comedic machine. <laughs> There's so much to make in front of, and these guys never can. Instead, they, they give us these self-righteous monologues. So if you had a guy like Adam Carolla or Dennis Miller doing a show, I mean, those guys go on Fox News and it's hilarious because they're the only ones that make in front of the Dems. So we're a humorless society already. Now we're going to become even more of it. So, so now we're, in, we're the American culture is this bland, humorless, very curious to see what Chris Rock will say to this once he you know has his has some time and can write out some jokes about it. Yeah. I mean, what a pro. I mean, he took the slap and 
uh, you know, looking at it, it didn't look like too hard of a slap, but still, like, he, he, uh, he took it in stride, and he just kind of made a little uh, joke about it and just went on. Like, how many of us can say that we would have responded the same way? You know, if someone hits you, you have every right to defend yourself, but, you know, obviously, given the moment you're on the stage, like, you probably just want to move on very quickly, but, um, you know, it, it, it just, it's example of rules for thee, but not for me. Will Smith is part of the special elite class. He can commit assault on live TV and no repercussions. You know, the, he, I think there's pressure now to like uh, sanction him or, you know, fine him uh, that, you know, even if that does happen, I mean, that doesn't really impact him. He's, you know, he's got a boatload of money, but you know, if it was a normal person, like we were saying before, they'd be arrested. Um, so that just encompasses the elitism that you see at the Oscars. Um, these people who are just so out of touch, um, you know, and, and people just trying to hitch their wagon to the next uh, trendy thing that's going to get them social clout. Um, you know, we talked about this before, but like Wanda Sykes and um, and, the, and, and the rest, like sh- they were just making, you know, they kept saying gay, 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 gay. And they clearly, it's a, it just reflects they actually didn't read the bill. These are just very uneducated people. They happen to be extremely talented in one particular area. Uh, and they think that then makes them these, uh, these just very enlightened lumineers that can then espouse and share their, their, their great knowledge with all of us. Like, no, like just because you're a great actor does not mean you have any more information on society or how the world works than anyone else. So it's time that our society just stops glorifying these people because they're they're not really they're not really worth our admiration. So um, yeah, I, I really don't care about the Oscars. Um, you know, this was a funny moment. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of great memes that come out of this, but I'm really not gonna waste my time thinking about the Oscars. Um, but moving along here, uh, we are gonna move more into the world of sports. So uh, we actually do have our sports corner. That's our one segment that we did keep here um because you know we we, we know we're kind of shooting fire right now and uh we want to add a little bit of levity uh by breaking off into sports but before we get there um along the lines of sports though um there was a major uh announcement by the nfl uh this week that they made a major update to the rooney rule so we've talked about this i think it was on our second episode um second or third episode where we talked about the Brian Flores firing from the Miami Dolphins and how the Rooney Rule was involved. Um, so for those who are unfamiliar with the Rooney Rule, uh, what it historically was, was a well-intentioned rule to uh, ensure that more uh, Black coaches were represented in searches for uh, head coaching gigs. So I want to make that very clear. Very well-intentioned, however, just handled uh you know, very poorly. Uh, and we, we talked a lot about that reasons why, uh, you know, you're really just kind of, it's actually racist the way that you are going about that. If you're hiring on the basis of race, that's actually the definition of racism. Um, and it puts undue pressures on both the management, the ownership group, where if they don't hire someone, then they're accused of being racist when that likely was not even a factor at all. They're just hiring the best person for the job. And then also secondly, it puts unfair criticism on the black candidates because if they do get the job they're going to be considered a uh, a minority hire and an affirmative action hire and that's not fair to them because they very likely earned that job and they should get that respect so 
it really put both parties in a tough predicament. So that was my issue with the Rooney rule. Well, now they've evolved this rule where now NFL teams are mandated to hire a, either a female and or a minority uh, person into, in a, I believe it's not an assistant offensive coordinator role. So they are literally forcing this. So now we've gone to, I thought the Rooney rule was a disaster, but now we have gone above that. And this, again, this is just an example of, for whatever reason, those in power are afraid of this very small but vocal woke mob, and they're just letting them run things. And this is not going to bring any, any good to the sport whatsoever. And this is the very definition of racism. I'm, like, I've shared on, on one of our last episodes that I'm Hispanic. If I was ever hired just because I'm Hispanic, I wouldn't even take the job. If that's all I am good to you, if you're not hiring me because of my intelligence, my quality of work, my work ethic, if all it is is because I check a box for you, I don't want to do business with you. That's, that's a horrible way to live your life. That's extremely racist. That's extremely degrading. Um, and it's just sadly playing identity politics here. And you're just cowering to a very uh, minor but vocal group. And it's, it's just pathetic by the NFL. Yeah, greatly said. And when we did that Rooney Rule fix in episode two, I worked backwards and I said, okay, who are the remaining coaches in the NFL that I think at that time there was four teams left, the conference championship games. And it was guys like Zach Taylor and Sean McVay. And let's look at their resume. Where did they come from and how did they become the coach? And what it is, is these guys played in college were not good enough to play in the pros or chose not to go that route. And they're an assist graduate assistant at maybe their alma mater for a year. They pop on to be a quality control coach. Maybe they're a assistant offensive coach for a bit wide receiver coach for two, three, four years, you know, a linebackers coach. And then if they can land that uh, offensive coordinator, there's only 32 of those, but that's a huge job. You land that from, you know, maybe you worked with uh, running backs and the receivers and the QBs, and then you have all that experience. So you, you've seen the game from a lot of angles, and then you become that uh, coordinator, start calling the plays. Then if you're good at calling plays, you utilize the personnel well, you have the chance at a head coach. This is a 10 to 15 year process for most people. These guys are 22 and they graduate college. And head coaches that are usually hired 37, 40, 45. I mean, I think guys even like Bruce Arians, I'm pretty sure he got his first chance when he was maybe 60. So he's been an uh, assistant coach for 40 years. So we take that working backwards and we say, okay, we should get people, if you want more minority coaches, then attack it at the time of these guys graduating college and maybe looking to do an assistant uh, program for a year or two. Get a program where you, you pay underprivileged people, um, under you know people that aren't making that much money, that don't have savings, that can't do an assistant coaching job for 15K in a year. Give those guys some stipend, some stimulus, and then they can be the assistant and start on that chain. What this rule does is it doesn't do that, but it forces you to hire unqualified people in the offensive assistant range. Because look, the NFL is a massively, they generate so much money. And 
if you're a good football team, your team will be worth several billion dollars. So I think the Broncos are for sale and they've historically been very successful. They won two championships with John Elway. They won another with Peyton Manning. They're a well, they're a good brand. They're well known. And a, a, a brand like them or the Cowboys or the Patriots, that brand can be one, two, three billion dollars of a sale if you're really going to be selling the team. So why in the world, in an, in an NFL where they just signed this massive TV contract for ten billion plus dollars a year, I mean, incredible. Why would you ever hire um, pe- the the worst people for the job? Like, if you're deciding between two candidates, you are going for the best possible candidate so you can win. You do not care about skin color. You do not care about sex. So. The idea that this mass, this massively profitable business where winning and losing can affect your bottom line, you're picking the wrong candidates because you're racist, insane. And then my second point on this is, is where the females come in. And look, TB and I, I, we're not sexist, but you have to look at the facts on the ground. Women cannot play football because they are not physically capable. We do not want women on the field getting completely destroyed by six, five, 350 pound men. That's not what should happen. That has no place in society and no one should be for it. And luckily so far, no one is for it. Like women cannot perform the same athletically as men, as we're seeing with this Leah Thomas debacle. So there aren't any women that are graduating, playing football, knowing the game having played the game for years, then doing the graduate assistant role. If you really wanted women in the coaching ranks, again, you have, to, you have to start at that. You have to build an academy, and this shouldn't only be for women. If the NFL said, let's build an academy where it's a, it's a coaching academy, it's a three-year program that, hey, maybe you even pay it. Like There will be some scholarships, but you pay it. It's for women and men who didn't play football but they think they have the mind to go and be a coach. Let's do that. And you know what? The NFL could easily do that. They have so much money. They make so much money. They could do an academy like that. And frankly, maybe they should. I I think about the MLB. It's it's probably not the exact comparison, but Major League Baseball has like a scouting camp where you, you, you go to scout camp and you can become a scout. And there's a tons of baseball scouts because there's tons of, minor league teams all over the place and you need to send people out. And I think there's plenty of females in baseball that didn't play, went to, went to the scout camp and are now really good scouts for baseball teams. And that's great. We're not against that, but, but the equivalent in baseball would be if there was no scout camp and no women who knew the game. And all of a sudden you had, you were forced to hire several women on your roster. I mean, it's just, it's not going to work. So it's again the the NFL taking a short-sighted approach to the problem where they took the short-sighted approach to the Rooney rule and it didn't work and they're going short-sighted again. Where is the long-term thinking? Where is the strategic thinking? You know, did they need to hire us TB as strategic advisors so we can give them these plans? I mean, do, do we need to send the podcast to the NFL headquarters and say, "Hey, if you want this idea, great, but you're going to have to pay us a royalty for it." I mean, <laughs> if they want to do that, like I'm good with it. Let's run, let's help run and finance the academy. That would be great. But 
the stupid idea of mandating this, like you said, you said it perfectly. It's a negative for everyone involved because it's going to have unqualified people that are coaching and every single minority, whether they deserve it or not, they're always going to feel like they only got there because they're a minority. So it's, it's a disaster. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what are we supposed to do here? We can criticize it on this pod and maybe we, maybe people should write into their local sports teams and say they, they disagree with it and send in the podcast, but I don't know. It's just really frustrating when they they continue to force these woke rules on us. And I, I think it's going to negatively impact a lot of the coaching staffs around the league. Yeah. I bet you if they pulled America and asked or fans of the NFL and asked them whether they were supportive of that, of that I bet every cent I own, uh, which isn't much, but <laughs> I would. Hey, uh, I thought you, uh, you have some Bitcoin, right? Well, true, yes, but I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'm never touching that. But uh, <laughs> I'd be willing to bet every USD I have that uh, a majority of the country or the majority of NFL fans would, would be against this rule for much of the reasons that we've been citing. Um, and this is clearly them just, you know, again, just cowering to the woke mob. They are so afraid of them. They are just gutless. So you can't really respect a decision like this because they'll try to market it that they are just being so progressive and noble, but it's not that at all. They're making a business decision. They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of being boycotted. They, they're afraid of the bad press. That's what's driving these decisions. It's not it's nothing that's coming out of the kindness of their heart. So I, I, these, these, these are phonies. I, I just cannot respect them whatsoever, but you know, I think uh, you, you raise a lot of good points. I think there's a lot of constructive ways of handling it. But sadly, the NFL is just going to follow along with the mainstream and just they are going to parrot whatever the woke mob tells them. They'll feel good about themselves and they'll just try to move on and continue to make billions of dollars. So um, just a sad state of affairs. But that's, you know, that's just the country, the country as it is right now. It's not it's more than the NFL. It's just kind of what the culture is. But um, you know, hopefully one day we uh, go back to a world of normalcy. That's that's all we ask for. But, you know, staying on the, the theme of the NFL, though, um, SB, I know you're very excited about this, but um, out, out of, you know, we, we talked about this on the last episode, but Tom Brady, he came out of nowhere and, uh, well, not even saying that because SB and I, uh, we actually predicted this, but he came back out of retirement and said his time wasn't done yet. And he was ready to, to give it another go. Meanwhile, when he initially retired, there was a lot of rumors that he had a bad relationship with um, with Bruce Arian. So that their relationship was souring. And that kind of was what uh, really pushed Brady to retire, that he just didn't think it was a healthy environment for him. And uh, he didn't want to continue on. Well, he comes back and immediately Arians is uh, is, is forced out. So. I think he's moving into more of a, uh, a, a management type of role uh, within the Bucks organization, but he's no longer the head coach. So I said this to SB when the news came out, Kings stay Kings. Uh, Brady's going to run the show, but uh, pr- pretty wild news. Yeah, I am so pumped about this news because, look, I wanted Brady back, so I'm happy he's back. And now who the heck knows? I mean, clear, clearly what he wrote – 
in all of that Instagram post. I mean, how many, it was 10 posts long. All of that was bullshit. I mean, give me a break. He doesn't believe any of that. So it is, it's just the ultimate power move. I mean, the guy faked a retirement to get Arians out. I just love it. And it was funny because you were hearing these quotes from Arians. Like he almost like didn't care if Brady was back or not. This is when he was kind of making the decision. So you got to think Brady, like he he's actually a strategic long-term thinker. And I think if you go back to Brady when he was on the Patriots his final year, the guy was mad because Bill wasn't giving him any offensive help. It, it go to pro football reference, see the roster, the offensive weapons that Brady was working with his last year in the Patriots. I mean, total disaster of an offense. I think the only good offensive player he had was Edelman. And look, Edelman's great. He had had some amazing moments and he has an incredible postseason uh, resume, but he's a across the middle receiver. I mean, he, he is not a outside receiver. You could throw a bomb to, you know, he's, he's not an offense. He's not a huge offensive weapon. He's a great piece in, in, in a bigger arsenal that you'd ideally have. So he was mad about this. And Brady goes, probably, I have several years left. I mean, he clearly does. He, he played two years at an MVP caliber, uh, MVP caliber. And I don't want to be surrounded by subpar weapons. And so he orchestrated the exit out of New England and went to a team, the Bucks, who Jameis Winston, media, mediocre quarterback, threw for 5,000 yards with that team. So Brady goes in and he throws for around that much, but has like half the interceptions. And there you go. So he was smart about it long term. And I remember it was early January that the rumors started coming out that, you know what, Brady might, this might be his last year. So I bet you that Brady connected this retirement scheme in January and, and he started leaking it then to make it seem like he was serious. He goes and announces it. It's 10 pages of Instagram. People think it's legit. He retires. And then he probably goes to the Bucks and says, look, I'm back if Arians is out. And boom, what did the Bucks do? I mean, they made the right call. And I, I saw stories of when uh, Arians was rehabbing an Achilles injury in the morning, um, apparently Brady and Leftwich, who's the offensive coordinator, they got really tight. They had some great um, offensive chemistry. And then Arians would kind of, you know, mark, mark, mark that playbook up and try to change stuff. So if Leftwich was truly the brains of the operation on the offense, then this is an absolute no-brainer move by the Bucks because you have Brady and Leftwich. They can work together for the next couple of years, and you keep Brady. So, yeah, I love it, and it shows you, you know, Tom Brady, he's fierce. You, you Tom Brady's fierce on the field. Dude's clearly fierce off the field, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Uh... It's a, it's a pretty funny story, but it just shows what kind of killer mentality he has. Um, I will be interested to see how Todd Bowles does as their new head coach. Like, um, he's, I would say he's probably one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Uh, I think that's really his sweet spot. He's just fantastic at it. Um, but when he was the head coach at the Jets, that was a very unsuccessful stint. Although, to be fair, anyone who coaches at the Jets has a very unsuccessful stint. So <laughs> maybe it's not reflective of his performance. But um, this is a nice little uh, redemption tour for, for Todd Bowles as well, because if he does well um, you know, with, with Brady, with this team, 
uh, with Arians out, then it'll make him a lot more marketable as well. So, um, you know, he seems like a nice guy and, um, you know, would like to see him do well. But, yeah, I mean, this is uh, – I, I, I have a feeling this is probably going to be – if Brady wins, I think it will – if he wins his seven, that will for sure be – he'll retire after that. That'll be his final year uh, for sure. But if he gets close again but loses – and he's still putting up similar numbers, then I wonder how close we're going to be. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think he's still got the competitive drive. He, clearly, he's playing at a level where if he doesn't get injured, I, I don't even think m- more than one year is off the table. I mean, I think he can continue going for several years. As crazy as that sounds, the TB12 method, this guy is preparing his body, you know, I, I, you, there's no, it's, there's no words for it. The, the guy literally looks younger when you watch these games, like you watch Sunday night football and they have the montage of his face changing every year. It, it, it literally looks like Benjamin button getting younger. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I think the guy like, you know, we're to bring it back to, to our earlier discussion, me and you are not homosexual, but we could admit that the guy is an attractive man. Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady, Tom Brady is attractive. And he's he's more handsome than he used to be. So he is, um, he's doing something right, uh, even at his old age, which is amazing. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm all for this story. And I think uh, I think it's it's good for the league. It's fun for the league when you have uh, players like this. And I think we were talking a couple episodes before about the NFC was looking a little bit weak in the QB department after Brady went and after Wilson was traded. You know, we got Brady back, so we got we got Rodgers and Brady. I, I who wouldn't love to see a Rodgers Brady matchup in a championship game next year? I mean, that that would just be fantastic. And for Rodgers, it would be he kind of goes, he gets immortality as a QB if he wins a second one. You win one with his stats in the regular season, and you're you're known as as an extremely great QB, but you know, not on the Mount Rushmore. You win two, and, and then I think you can even be – you can compare – you can kind of call Aaron Rodgers the Peyton Manning of his era where, you know, like Manning had the best stats, uh, Rodgers has by far the best stats of, of his era. He just needs to get another one now. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of storylines. And, you know, kings stay kings. This is why the NFL stays king. Uh, you know, the we're talking on our sports corner about the NFL because it's the most intriguing sport now even with MLB opening day soon and even with NBA going on. So that's just how you know the the product that the league has put out there is just this, you know, we've never seen anything like it. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Um, so I know we, uh, this one's been one of our longer ones, so we'll, uh, we'll wrap up here, but uh, we want to end on a, uh, a funny one. So we're going to, we say it one actual woke in the wild for you um but uh biden announced uh recently that uh the new 2023 budget is going to include 7.5 billion to land the first woman and person of color on the moon so (laughs) sb that's uh that's a lot of money to uh (laughs) for uh to 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 do some publicity stunt like that but uh, i'm glad that uh you know right now you know, uh, the inflation's out of control gas prices are out of control we're on the brink of a, a world war potentially but 
hey, at least we're allocating our money to the right things, don't you think? Now, I, 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 I would agree with you, but I do think that these th- this budget, very anti-transgender. <laughs> Where is the money for the first transgender person on the moon? That That is what I am going to be looking for in the 2024 budget because I'm, I'm pretty outraged right now that that is not in 2023. Yep. And it's a little ableist too, because I don't see any room for disabled people to be uh, on the moon as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different groups that are not represented by this. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm literally shaking right now, SB. (laughs) Well, and the thing you got to realize too. So I, I'm in investments. I look at companies, $7.5 $7.5 billion is a substantial amount of money. I mean, that the company, a lot of companies don't even spend that much money in building out in investments. They're, they're CapEx or capital expenditures every year. $7.5 billion, that can do so much. I mean, whether, uh, you know, how, how many Netflix shows does $7.5 billion buy? That's a lot. That's a lot of production right there. So, the fact that we need that much to send a woman and person of color on the moon, like we don't, what are, are we spending it to find someone? We don't have anyone in the program currently. Like we need, we need a recruiting. I mean, I, I just don't know what that money is actually going towards. And certainly this is, I'm sure this is one of many examples out there in the budget that's been going on for years of wokeness. And, you know, it would be great if someone did a study of what percentage of the budget is wokeness because, you know, it probably rises, you know, as fast as the homosexuality percentage is rising every generation, the percentage of wokeness in uh, annual budgets is probably rising at a similar pace. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But, I mean... This guy is just an absolute joke. As obviously, if you listen to this show, we are not fans of Joe Biden. But I mean, he he says crap like this today. He said that he's passing an executive order to uh, uh, to put more funding into EVs and uh, and lithium. So uh, for the batteries, it's like this dude is literally just one giant woke talking point. That's all. That's literally all he is. He doesn't stand for anything. He just is a puppet for the woke mob and he, he, there's just, he just has all his priorities wrong. There's, there's no surprises approval ratings at 36%, but look, we're at the end of the show that this is about to set me off on another uh, classic TV rant. So I'll <laughs> save that for uh, this weekend's episode, but God, that guy, he can't leave soon enough. No, he, and, and, you know, and yeah, the Dems are, I think they're already planning a, a new person in 24 because it, it really appears the Hunter's going down soon because when the New York Times and Washington Post are reporting on Hunter Biden out of the blue, I mean, no, no one was asking for this story. Republicans knew that it was a thing in October 2020. So probably there's some progress in some of these investigations and that's going to happen with Hunter. And then do you use Hunter as a pretense to then not run Biden in 24? Maybe. And it's almost like the Dems, they'll, they'll utilize, like, have you seen the movie uh, Being John Malkovich? Or maybe that's the movie? 
No, I haven't. All right. Well, well, ba- well. Basically, it, they use these like small a- aliens. I think like or not. It's not aliens. It's it's people that l- basically live through John Malkovich, the the actor. He's he's plays himself in the movie. But it's yeah, the woke. You know the the woke that we talk about, like whatever you know, because that encompasses a lot. It's like a it's the the media and the elites and the politicians and permanent DC and just, there's just so much that encompass the woke and they're all channeling that through this blank slate that is Joe Biden. And I'm not sure the guy is even aware of that. He's being channeled. I think like he's, I, I'm, I'm a survivor fan and always on survivor. Well, the smart players, their whole thing is you have an idea but you want to convince other members of the alliance that it was their idea so that they go through with it. So you don't get blamed um, when someone gets voted out and people are mad about it. It was their idea. So you let them take the fall for it. Um, this is what's happening with Biden. where It's like they're pro- they're convincing him that it's his idea to do all this stuff. And he totally believes it and he buys into it. And meanwhile, it's these it's the probably like these 27 year old woke Gen Zers who just graduated from Ivy League law programs that go and work in DC and are writing up these insane policies, these 2000 page bills that is, you know, wokeness like the 7.5 billion. So it's so, I mean, the everybody with the brain sees what's going on. And I, I agree with you that like we need this guy out of there, but. They need a new vessel, and and TV. I I, I think the vessel could be Hillary in twenty four. I really do. Oh, oh, imagine another Hillary Trump rematch. <laughs> I I really think that they could be setting up Hillary for twenty four because Biden Biden's going to be unrunnable. He's so unpopular. I know. I honestly, if we're gonna, I think a more apt movie comparison for Biden is Weekend at Bernie's. The the man is mm. not with us. He is literally just a corpse and he, like you watch him you feel bad for him like his secret service literally has to like push him along he gets lost when he walks he loses his train of thought he has to oh, another viral picture went out this week of him literally holding a note card with all of his notes that had to say everything verbatim and he still messed that up like the, the guy's not with us he hasn't been with us for quite some time but uh, I promise to our listeners uh, when we record on Sunday, we will have plenty of Joe Biden content to go through. Uh, we are, there was actually quite a bit that we wanted to touch on, but um, we just didn't have the time in today's episode. But we have a lot to talk about with him. Yeah, uh, we can we can riff hard on a Sleepy Joe next episode. <laughs> well, SB, I mean, uh, I think we can we can call it here, but. Look, this was our very first emergency woke cast, and uh, you know I hope everyone listening, if you're still listening, I hope you all enjoyed it. I know this was a very different type of episode, but look, as we said, the reason why we get so animated about this, the reason why this was more of a serious tone, is because it, it really is things are going going to an extreme now. We're this within the past week, we've just seen wokeism to. Uh, just, just such an extreme that we've never seen before. And I think we're seeing it come like this because we've allowed it to, to perpetuate. It started off small. It's kind of like a death by paper cuts thing. We allow just a little bit to happen, but they you know, give them an inch, they take a mile. And now it's going to really bleed into the way that we live, the way that we raise our children. So now 
we're at this inflection point where we need people to speak out. So, you know, as you're listening, if this some as this messaging resonates with you, share it with your friends, share it with your family, uh, be more vocal in your communities, you know, really try to take this moment in time and stand up for what you believe is right. You can respect people of all different opinions. You can respect, respect people who are different than you, but you also have to, you also have to have self-respect for yourself and stand up for what you believe is right. Because if you don't, then one day you're going to wake up and not recognize the country that you live in. You're not going to recognize the world that you live in. So if that's anything, if that's important to you, it's time to stand up now. Beautifully said. And we'll do a little Easter egg for the listeners. So if you guys have made it this far, hop onto Twitter and do hashtag emergency wokecast. And then we'll see who has totally made it to the end of the podcast. That'll be fun. And, and hopefully it's a lot of you and, and you can, uh, you know, follow, follow everybody who, who also is tweeting out emergency wokecast. Cause we'll get, a we'll get a lot of you out there on that note. We have a subreddit now dedicated to the podcast. So we have episode discussions. So, if you want to talk about the episode with like-minded folks, um, we'll, we'll tweet that link out from our Twitter, but it's the Reddit slash the woke antidote. And then, yeah, if you've made it this far, then obviously you're, you're a super fan. Hop on to Apple pods and, and leave us that review and, and uh, give us a five-star rating. Cause we, we want to grow the pod. We, we are growing. So clearly you guys are listening and spreading the word, but we want to keep it up and we want to be giving this to your broader audience. So the more ratings we get, the better, the more reviews we get, the better. So definitely hop on that. And yeah, TB, you got anything else? No, I'm going to, I'm going to save it for now. I know by now I'm earning a reputation as just being, uh, just ranting all the time, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll leave it there, but, uh, look, I, you know, this was a fun emergency. Well, not, I don't know about fun, but I'm glad that we uh, first we did our first emergency vote cast. Um, maybe this will be the start of a, a new feature for us as we're trying to give more content to our fans. But, um, yeah, yeah, catch us on Twitter. Catch us on Reddit. Um, but uh, we will have another episode cooking up for you uh, over this weekend. So uh, excited to have that one out for you. All right. Well, everybody, enjoy the next couple of days. Don't let your weekend get too woke, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.